You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Corey Jenkins is with me for recording today. Corey, I appreciate you making the time to be on the podcast. I always like having you for a dialogue partner. I think yeah. it's more interesting. Yeah. So this is Holy Week. This episode of the podcast is originally being uploaded on Monday of Holy Week. And so this is the week where the church pauses to remember the last week of the life of Jesus. On Friday, we've, we've nicknamed the day Good Friday. Uh, silent Saturday as Christ is in the tomb. And then on Sunday is the day of the resurrection. We'll gather for church on Sunday. But as we move forward toward Sunday, I would love for our church family to be able to think about the life of Jesus and what happened in Jerusalem during this last week. So we'll just take some selections from the Gospels uh, that cover a few of the things that happened that last week. Today, Corey and I are going to be reading from Mark chapter 11. Okay, so church family, yesterday was Palm Sunday. Yesterday, churches all over the world remembered Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. This parade where pilgrims lined the streets and shouted Hosanna, uh, where the Gospels remember that people were evoking the name of King David and basically saying we would love for Jesus to be our king. Not everybody felt that way. Uh, When Jesus got to the temple, nobody crowned him king. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Pharisees, the chief priests, the Sanhedrin leaders, the Sadducees did not seem excited about Jesus. In fact, some of the teachers of the law told him to quiet down the crowds and tell them to stop shouting. In Luke's gospel, you get that. Well, what happened after that? So today we're going to take a look at the gospel of Mark, the 11th chapter. This is how the Palm Sunday... um, parade ended, and then we'll read what happened on Monday. On Sunday, it says this, verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. And then that leads into verse 12. So we're ready for the next day. Basically, everything from verse 12 through 19 is the next day. So, Corey, what if I read uh, 12 through 14, and I'll let you pick up at uh, verse 15. Sounds good. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree... May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written... My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Okay, so that's the end of the day in in Mark's record, right? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the fig tree tomorrow. So I'm not gonna we're not gonna spend much time about the 
fig tree because it's. I mm-hmm. love the fig tree. That used to be a miracle that made no sense to me, yep. but now I absolutely love it. I'm going to put that off for tomorrow's episode. So today, let's talk about what happened when he got there. All right. So Corey, what what happened in Jerusalem? So essentially, um, you find Jesus, the same temple that was supposed to be a, a means to worship God, supposed to be the atmosphere. And yeah. Uh, to worship God has now been made a place of selling, of buying, um, and a couple other things. Yeah. Going so, on. and he's and he's frustrated at it. So, I think the big the big thing that I want everybody to get today is that um, honestly, on Monday of Holy Week, Jesus took a very big step. Um, he cast strong judgment against the temple leaders mm-hmm. um, and was going to be really in trouble for it. I mean, this was, a, this was a big deal, but it was important. In fact, you read that they were looking for a way to destroy him. In the translation I'm yeah. reading, it said kill him, just straight out. Like After this event, it's almost like the die was cast. They were done. They, they've said, we're not waiting any longer, right? Mm-hmm. You've already had some hints. You know, earlier in the gospel records that the that the leaders of Judaism were not interested in having Jesus as Messiah and that they he's not who they wanted for Messiah. They're not giving up control to this guy. They had already started to look for ways uh, to kill him, but it seems like turning over the tables in the temple courts was the last straw. That yep. it's it's over now. We're gonna and they did. They were successful. You know, he's gonna be dead at the end of the week. Yep. So when you look at I guess just the practical aspect of this, like I want yeah. the church to kind of understand what's going on. Um, when you come into the temple complex, it's probably good to think about it. It's a really big space, but think about it as a space that's really big and it gets a little bit smaller as you move in. Like, it's don't think about this in the same way as size, but like think about a basketball court, right? Everybody's familiar with a basketball court. Um, you, get, you know, some of you just finished March Madness. So if you're in the stands looking down at the basketball court, you like you got this entire entire court, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the whole out of bounds line, right? Think about that as the entire temple complex. And the, if people walked in by the goal on your right hand, right, if that's where they entered the temple, like the the first big space they're going to come through, maybe the first half court is going to be an open space that's going to be uh, the court of the Gentiles. Like mm-hmm. the, the idea was that the nations could come to there and pray. Any yeah. you know, so if you were clean, holy, you could come you could come in there, but the Gentiles were welcome. I mean, you're not going to profane or defile that space, but everybody was welcome, okay? And so then they're going to have like a, a little knee wall that Ephesians chapter 2 talks about. I say knee wall because it's, it's called the balustrade. It's it's kind of a knee height or, or maybe it's just like segmented. You could pass through it like a little section here, a little section there. Um, archaeologists have discovered that it had signs on it that basically said if you, if you come farther, if you're a Gentile and you come farther than this, you've gone into the court of Israel mm-hmm. and you're, you're not an Israelite. If you come farther than this, you're doing it at peril of your own life. So you've been warned, right? Mm-hmm. Don't come farther. Okay. Um, so go in farther from there. You have the court of the Israelites. So this is where Israelite men and women can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the women could go up on kind of a little balcony built up to watch the sacrifices, but they couldn't go farther. So now you're on the left half of the court, if you might think of it that yep. way. So if you step inside the three-point line, 
you know, to the smaller space or inside the timeline or something, if that language makes any sense to basketball players, you know, now you're getting into the court of the Israelite men, right? So that's where the men take the sacrifices on behalf of their family, and they're going to meet the priests and the Levites who are working in that space. And so that's where the, you know, that's where they're going to have the the tables for slaughtering animals and cleaning. That's where they're going to have the, that's where they're going to have the altars. If you stepped into the, into the, uh, free throw into the lane, right into the mm-hmm. paint. That that little section that's 15 feet that's painted. You'd think in the back of the temple there is the holy space, right? Half of it is the holy place where the table of presence. You know the uh, probably the the uh, the menorah, the lamps, mm-hmm. and maybe the altar of the incense is either there or in the holy of holies. It's kind of hard to tell. I think it's the holy. I think it. I think it's in the holy of holies, but it's hard hard to tell. Yeah. Um, and so. You have that holy, holy space, right, where only priests can go in to change the bread. And even in the holy of holies, only the high priest once a year. So that's kind of how the temple works, right? Yep. Um, where these tables were set up is on that first level, right, the the, tab- the court of the Gentiles. This is where the nations were supposed to be able to come to pray. Yep. But apparently um, it had been undervalued as a spiritual place and we decided it would be an excellent place to do business. And so that's where mm-hmm. they set up the merchandise tables to, to change money and to sell animals. You could have set these things up in marketplaces out in Jerusalem in the city outside the temple, but they would yeah. have been more poorly controlled and maybe the money would not have made its way where you wanted it to go. Yeah. So they've, they've literally turned the court of the Gentiles um, into sort of the merchandise section, mm-hmm. right? You're changing your money so that if you're from a distant land and you need to be able to pay your temple tax or whatever, or buy your offerings in, in, you know, legitimate Jewish currency, there's where the money, money changers yeah. are. You can go buy doves, you can go buy, you know, whatever you need to. Um, that should have happened outside the walls. So Jesus is mad and he quotes Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah seven. So he takes two major voices mm-hmm. from Israel's history and says, you know, this place is supposed to be a house of prayer for the nations, Yep. Well, this is where the Gentiles were supposed to pray. Mm. But you've made it a den of robbers. Mm-hmm. Man, how powerful that Jesus was fighting for the nations to be able to come and pray in God's house mm-hmm. um, on the day that he went in to judge. So this is so this is kind of a big event. And I used to wonder, like, well, wait a minute. So how does Jesus walk in and flip all these tables and nobody stop him? Right. Mm-hmm. Have you ever wondered about that? Is there yeah. something you thought about? Yeah. I used to I used to think about that a lot. I was like, all right, so there's gonna be an answer to that that comes sort of later in the week if you just if you keep reading your, your Bible. Because if you think about it, this is Passover season, this is Passover week, like things are about to get really at the end of the week things are gonna be really busy. You know, even on like even this week people are gonna be coming, you know, to selecting lambs and yeah. you know, get, getting advice and you know, doing give come to Jerusalem, they're gonna do some things while they're there. And so how is Jesus able to walk into a temple that's got so many priests and Levites on duty and flip the tables? And the answer to that is because crowds of people were supporting Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and those folks, you're going to have this little mention of John the Baptist later, but crowds of people were following Jesus. They believed in John. what John the Baptist had to say was true. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. And so the priests and the Levites could not fight against Jesus because they were afraid of the crowds, because Jesus, preaching truth, had won the hearts and lives of so many people you know, that were following him. So. But but the big big picture today, Jesus judged the temple, and that was a full day's work 
Uh, this was the thing that's going to have him crucified before the week is over. Corey, what do we do about this? So, like, how do we walk away from this text and this podcast and say, okay, church family, let's be the best church family we can be? You know, as we, mm-hmm. as we reflect on Monday of Holy Week, yeah. you know, I'm asking myself, what should we, what should we do? Mm-hmm. What should we do about this? See, two things for us. Um, one, a little bit more practical. Um, so I'll start off with the non-practical one. One, just remember that Jesus is not calling us to religion. I think we something that um, we have to remember is there was religious people who knew a lot more scripture than we did, um, who were um, a lot more um, faithful in their attempts of religion than we are um, per se, but their heart was not with Jesus and wasn't with God. Um, and so just a reminder, one, as religious people are about to go call out for Jesus to be crucified and they're the ones getting mad that Jesus is coming, ruining their temple scene and what they're doing there. Yeah. Um, let's not get offended when Jesus calls us out on our religion on church on Sunday or on Wednesday. Um, two, you know, you were talking about just the heart of Jesus, you know, that he did not want a place that was supposed to be a means for the nations and for unbelievers to worship and get to know our God. Um, and yet the Pharisees and the religious people had made it a, a place for just financial gain. Um, that That's our God's heart. And so if that's his heart, then if it's so much his heart that he's willing to like go and judge and flip over tables... Um, is that our heart? And what to what extent? Now, I'm not saying we go tomorrow, <laughs> Wendy's, and flip over tables, yeah. you know. Um, but I am saying, if it was that important to Jesus in our lives, you know, reflecting, is it really important in our lives for unbelievers to be brought to Jesus? Yeah. So, you know, I, I I hear that second point you're making, really in the context of like, don't forget our mission. Mm-hmm. You know, we're supposed to show up and love Jesus and out of gratitude worship him and be a people changed. Mm-hmm. But we're also supposed to be reaching the nations for him, you know, right here in Pedal and mm-hmm. all around the world. And this was the fundamental mistake. Like that temple had gotten more interested in controlling their structures, in being financially sound, yeah. in making sure the right people were in charge, in preserving their traditions, and they had lost sight of their mission. That can happen in churches. In fact, it happens mm-hmm. in churches all the time. And so as we wrap up this Monday of Holy Week podcast, I want to call our church family. Man, let's make sure that the traditions and rules and power structures mm-hmm. are never, never stepping in front of the mission of reaching the nations. I mean, we want Jesus to be in charge of his church. We don't want him to have to flip the tables over. Mm -hmm. We want our church to be a house of prayer for the nations, like for everybody from every street corner and pedal. It's a good reminder on Monday of Holy Week. Can't wait to see you tomorrow and tell you a little bit about this victory business. Thanks for being with us, Corey. Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us.